and welcome to another edition of the Incan Text Podcast. Today it is me and Nathan. How are you doing, Nathan? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Good to be back. It's been about five or six weeks since I did the last podcast. I think that was with Joel in Baltimore. I've had a few weeks off and I'm raring to get back on it. Uh, and I think today's podcast, we've been to another weekend at 20 Schemes. We were looking at evangelism and the theme, not just on evangelism, but on training, uh, the need for Christians to train and uh, gospel workers to train, uh, do gospel work. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed over the last few months is uh, a good thing, the amount of new planters and pastors who are wanting to minister on council estate areas and hard to reach places, but also the struggle that many of these people are facing once they find themselves in this type of context. And I just wondered, uh, again, we've, we've, we've discussed expectations, but I think a, a lack of preparation and planning is probably the key. I think zeal has, has, has got people out of these estates, but a lack of planning or uh, a realistic understanding of the problems that people might face once they get there is what people are struggling with most. What would you think, Nathan? Yeah, I, I think, um, like you say, people have that that zeal now, don't they? But I think maybe, you know, maybe a few years ago, there wasn't, you know, there weren't as many people who were interested in kind of in the kind of ministry that we're in. Um, so it's, it's great to see that. But I think that zeal isn't necessarily translated to the churches that they're from or and so Whereas they're used to, I think they're used, a lot of people are used to a particular model of ministry, aren't they? And a particular way of doing evangelism. And so then when you go on to a, when you move on to a housing estate, those same models don't work. And I think people know that in some sense, you know that when you're moving into a different culture, different context, you can't just replicate the same kind of work that you've been doing. But then it's, it's what do you do? Um, that's the difficult thing. Um, especially, you know, if you've got expectations of, of what you're wanting this new church to be, you know, maybe you've got pressure from, from ascending church or from family who are, you know, expecting you to, to have this, you know, successful ministry within six months, maybe even just internal pressure. That, that you put on yourself um yeah I think that can be a a big thing kind of is, is we kind of expect um yeah as you said we've spoken about expectations before but but it is such a, a big part of it isn't it is that we have expectations of what we're hoping to see um and I think it's particularly frustrating when the models of mission that we've used traditionally just don't work in the same way. Yeah. And what I've noticed as well is, I think what people see as church planting is a Sunday service, and that is the end goal. Uh, the primary concern and the end goal of church planting is to see a Sunday service. And uh, for many planters, the biggest mistake that I've seen is people launching too soon, people so desperate to have a Sunday service for either validation for, for what they've been doing over the last couple of years, for people to think, look, 
we've started as a plant and now we're a proper church because we meet on a Sunday or again pride or or, or, or that internal pressure, whether it's external or internal, internal pressure, it, it is the desire to see a Sunday service that I think is causing so many planters problems in our type of ministry. Uh, Chris Davison is a great example of somebody who uh, is taking his time. He's been in Inverness for a few years now and, and he's resisting the pressure of uh, his sending church to, to, to launch already and he, he's still playing around with what's the best format of church and how he should should do it. He's resisted the temptation to, to, to launch too early. We saw the Pete's and Barlanic do a similar thing where they were due to launch and then for unplanned reasons, they had to delay that launch, I think, for another year. Uh, whereas with me, <laughs> we moved to an area we were chatting with a group of people who were looking at planting and then all of a sudden we decided to go our separate ways and then we plant anyway, just me and my wife and my two kids, which again, I keep saying to people, do not do what we did because it brings so much pressure. When I think the main focus should be just moving onto an estate, building up relationships with the local people and being a Christian presence uh, with a, a long-term vision of having a Sunday service. But that shouldn't be the ultimate. The ultimate should be being known as Christians in an area, having relationships that you can build on and evangelise with. And yeah. So what what would you think? That that's my that's my impression. And and many yeah. experienced planters' impression is that people have either launched too soon. Uh, but I think I think because we're having this conversation off the back of a previous conversation that we had privately. Yeah. But but one thing that we mentioned that kind of felt like a separate conversation but is, is linked in is is what you just said is people people want that sunday service but the problem is they're only thinking short term aren't they yeah that's the thing is um and i and i get that because you know i i understand the urgency side of it i see the you know here's an estate that desperately needs the gospel got thousands you know however many thousand people living in this community are completely unreached you know let's get a, let's get a service started let's you know let's get a dozen people from you know the big church in town to move into this estate let's start a sunday service let's start doing stuff but it's it's short-term thinking isn't it and actually we need to take we need to take a long-term view with a lot of these things and actually think rather than think what can we do in six months which is, you know, start a Sunday service and we'll wear ourselves out within the first two years. And we'll, you know, we won't really actually make any inroads into the community or actually, are we better off taking our time, spending a few years, like you say, just building those links in the community, having a Christian presence there that's still part of a, of a, of a nearby church and just slowly build up and actually take that kind of long-term view um, I think that's I think that's kind of one of the big underlying problems really is just kind of short-termism yeah and and that was a problem that I had that I didn't realize I had till it was pointed out to me and that was just a few years ago when we were looking to purchase the, the Methodist church hall that we were renting so he, here's the thing I, I, I met with Mays did his uh, church planter training and he was talking about vision and uh, mission plans and that used to 
infuriated. <laughs> I was like, why are you treating me like I'm a business school? I'm a church planter. We should be learning about Jesus, not about business plans. And uh, it's only now I realise the importance of having a clear vision, uh, a clear mission, and, and a clear uh, business plan to show how you're going to go forward. Because it, mm. uh, how, how can you expect people to follow your vision if you don't know what your vision is? My vision wasn't just to move on to an estate uh, and start a Sunday service. It was far bigger than that. We wanted to reach the, the estate. We wanted to see conversions and baptisms and raise up Indigenous leaders, but... Nobody knew that because I hadn't communicated it well. Mm. The vision's no good inside my head. It needed to be on paper, A, so people could follow it and join us, but B, so people could see whether it was worth funding or not. So, yeah, I've had to change my mindset to understand the importance of planning, and uh, it's, it's not ungodliness or lack of spirituality that you have practical plans in place. God is a God of order, so therefore we should reflect him and being ordered in our plans and, and preparations. But secondly, uh, again, I think that short-termism where once I developed a plan, I didn't see past what I wanted to achieve in my lifetime. And somebody had pointed out to me that even if I, if I lived another 30, 40 years, that would be great. But what would happen to the church beyond me? Uh, and, and the likelihood is that I'm, I might not live that long uh, what would happen if I got disbarred from membership, if I was removed from leadership, or if I fell to sin, or I got a critical illness, or anything? And it made me think, well, how will the church survive beyond me? So we had to have a clear plan to, to get to where we wanted to be, and then how will we move from that in the future, which meant obviously having you on board, uh, taking over from me as the, the lead pastor. And now you're doing the same thing, thinking who's going to take over from you. Rather than wait until you've had enough and you want to leave or you're about to retire, we need to have these plans in place, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's thinking about long-term sustainability, isn't it? And 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 I think that's difficult. Do you know what I mean? That's that's difficult when you're kind of on square one, day one, when you know, when you don't have anybody, you think, oh, like who cares? I can think about that later. Do you know what I mean? As long as I can get something up and running, then I'll think about that later on. Um, and actually, that's that's not the way that it should work. Do you know what I mean? We need to be planting churches that are sustainable. That doesn't necessarily mean they're they're self sufficient or you know anything like that. But but they've got to be sustainable. They've got to um, yeah. Th there's got to be something in place where actually it's not just dependent on one or two people or, or a family or um because otherwise that's you know it's, it's not a healthy model of church is it um but yeah um yeah I'm, I'm aware we've kind of drifted away a little bit from the from the original topic of conversation which is like why yeah why why do people get discouraged or, or whatever I, I think part of it as well is is that they don't is that people often look at maybe new life or you know another another church and they think they possibly think that that's how it's always been or, or whatever do you know what I mean and I think I think you can forget that actually it we've had to do this long term and so that's why you need to take a long-term view yeah you, you know and and I'm not saying that we're we're where we want to be yet but 
you know that kind of Rome wasn't built in a day thing is is important to remember so actually you can't just you can't look at what another church is doing and say I'm going to do going to do this and everything's going to change um there's there's no silver bullet to it is there um and I think that's often what people are looking for isn't it when they're discouraged is just you know what's the secret what's the what's the one thing I need to change what can I do that will that will you know suddenly get yeah that I'll be able to get to know people in the community and that will get you know dozens of people coming along on a Sunday morning and loads of interest in our bible studies and people at our groups and the, the reality is we do you know what I mean that there is no kind of easy short-term fix to to any of that um yeah, which well, is yeah so yeah I was just gonna say, that's that's where I think it's so important to have that vision plan the mission plan the business plan and because yeah. that, that is the reason why people are discouraged because mm. the, the discouragement comes because they're looking for short-term fixes and short-term answers for a short-term goal the Sunday service rather than having a, a longer term who is going to be pastoring this church uh, when me and the, the second pastor uh, have gone and I think you're right people are looking for a short-term fix they'll come and they'll want to copy or learn from some of the outreach that we're doing, or say the weekender in Nidri, people will come along and want to learn from, uh, copy uh, what they're doing in the, uh, whether it be in the youth work or within the cafe or with in the ragged school, and they'll want to copy that, thinking that's will what will get their church to a similar uh, standard. But in fact, it isn't. It's stripping it right back and thinking these things are only possible because of the long-term vision plan that was instated like 10, 15 years prior. And, and Mez shared something with me, which is so true. You'll get a, church planters are like drug addicts <laughs> in the fact that you'll get a, a drug addict will come to faith and then they'll be encouraged to go to a rehab and they'll say, oh, yeah, I can't give up a year or a two year. I'm, I'm 28 year old, I'll never get married. And that's how I felt. I didn't want to go to rehab because I thought by the time I come out, I'll be too old to get married, to start ministry. A year or two, in rehab seemed like an eternity. Yet what you see is those who don't go to rehab, five, six, 10 years later are still struggling with the drugs in the same position that they were when they first got saved. And those who went to rehab generally are in a better place. They sacrificed two years, but mm. eight years ahead of those who never went to rehab. And in a similar way, if planters would be willing to invest a year or two training in another church, uh, learning about business plans and business plans. It's great having the theology, but how are you going to apply that in a specific context? Uh, what are your long-term aims and objectives so you can get a team on board and excited with your vision and also funders excited enough to support the work you're doing? And again, <laughs> we're not just doing this to plug Medhurst Ministries, but that is what we're trying to do with New Life Church Middlesbrough is offer a training hub at New Life Church through Medhurst Ministries for people to come along and train, be equipped on the ground to build up support, get help with the vision and business plan so that they can leave the church in 12 to 18 months with a with a clear vision that uh, and a clear plan that people will want to follow, but also support financially and prayerfully. And I think that having 50 grand 
a year is helpful, but doesn't stop with the discouragement because you can have 15 employees and 50 grand in the bank. But if you've got no vision plan, you just what you're doing, you're just meeting on a Sunday, and the town is still as badly gospelly uh, fed as it would have been before you turned up. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think it, it requires churches to have that that um, long-term view as well, doesn't it, when they plant? So when they're sending people to plant, to, you know, if there's a, a city centre church that's looking at planting on, a, on an estate to say, look, we're going to send somebody to, to Middlesbrough for, you know, a, a year or 18 months or however long it is, they're going to get some experience kind of in a, in a similar context they're gonna um you know learn to develop some of those skills that you're talking about in terms of, of developing a vision and um you know building and, and leading a team and, and all that side of things that that takes a commitment from ascending church doesn't it to say actually we're going to send somebody away for a couple of years before they even move into the area and start the work mm. and it seems like I can see why people would think, oh, that seems like a waste. What a waste. Do you know what I mean? Just get in there and, and start start work. But actually, if you again it's if you take the long-term view and you yeah, you take the extra time to to go in with all of the training and, and resources that you need, then actually what you end up with is is a million times better. Yeah, and that and that is the ideal. This is what we're hoping to see: is that the, the next generations generation of church planters and gospel workers will will take a longer term view. That churches and funders will fund people through training in a hub church like Middlesbrough uh, before continuing to support them when they're planting their specific context that they've chosen to plant in. And that is something that we need to change the mentality of and encourage these new guys coming through. But what happens if you've got a guy like me who's already committed, dived in with both feet, uh, is struggling, have, have, have copped up? Uh, how, how can we support the guys who are already uh, in the field, in the mission field, as we say, already planted, maybe have already got a Sunday service, but still struggling to get momentum to attract people to uh, develop a mission plan to, uh, to attract funding? What, what help can we give them and what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, part part of it just depends on the person. What, what are they, why are they struggling? Are they struggling because they've got no money? Are they struggling because they've got no people? Are they, you know, have they got a load of Christians, but they've not got any contacts on the estate? What's the, you know, it, it kind of depends a little bit on the particular, the specific person and the situation, doesn't it? But um, I think if you've already, if you've already planted a church and you've got a load of Christians there, then they're your priority, aren't they? Um, I think that, you know, that they have to be there, the people that, that God has given to you to pastor, regardless of whether they're from the area or not, regardless of whether they're actually any use to you and your mission. Um, the reality is that they're the people you've got. They're the people you, you have to pastor and, uh, you know you never know they might be they might end up being 
they might not be useful in the way that you would want them to be useful. You know, they might not be the world's greatest evangelists, but they might be useful in the fact that they can pray or, you know, they might be very generous or hospitable or, or whatever it is. So um, I think you have to focus on the people that you have, don't you? I think that's where we struggled for a long time is, um, especially when you when you want people, it's easy to forget about the people that you already have mm. on the ground and to focus on the people that you wish you had rather than the people that you do have. Um, so I think that would be the first thing, make sure that you're, you're, you're pastoring the people that you have. Um, I think, yeah, uh, knowing your limits as well, that you can't do everything and, um, and, and you've got yourself in a difficult situation where you're trying to pastor a church while planting a church effectively aren't you um and and i think that's difficult because you're trying to you're trying to keep a sunday service going you're trying to keep your members happy you're also trying to do all of the outreach yourself you're also trying to raise support and and get the finances in and maybe trying to recruit extra people to come and join your 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 thing it's you know, it's actually quite draining. You can end up stretching yourself really thin if you're doing all of those different tasks. And yeah, I think you just need to consider what am I doing that I need to do? What what needs to happen that I can pass on to somebody else and what can just stop altogether, basically. Um, and I, yeah, it's figuring out how you do that. Who does who does what um and and you do you know what if you've ended up in that situation you might just find yourself really busy for a few months in order to get to get things sorted but then once it's sorted you can you can actually focus on on the ministry that you want to be focused on um because otherwise you'll just be yeah trying to spin plates for the rest of your life and the church will never actually grow and develop it, it all comes back to what you're saying there Ian, doesn't it about what's what's your actual vision plan what do you want to see happen in this community and then figuring out right what do i actually need to make this happen how can this yeah how can this come about as a reality um yeah i don't know how, how would how would you answer that question ian what would you say to somebody who's in that position I think firstly I'd say I love your optimism regarding it might take a few months to sort it out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I was I, I was thinking it probably took me about three years. But again, even in that, no, again, vision, mission, plan, thinking where do you want to be? What do we need to get there? What have we already got? As in you say, the importance is we've got our members of churches already with us. Again, at the end of the day. There might not be the ideal workers, but you decided to start a Sunday service and invite people along to join your church. Do you know what I mean? So suck it up. It's like if mm, we take yeah. our churches, our primary aim is to pastor the sheep. That's our goal. So if you again, it shows why we shouldn't. If our primary goal is to evangelize, and we don't start a Sunday service, because as soon as you become a pastor, that your main responsibility is to the flock, not to the lost. So again, it's determining your role. Do you want to? Uh, spend all your time with the lost because if you do then you shouldn't be a planter because ultimately you want them lost to be saved and if you don't want to spend time 
with the flock God's already given you, who's to say you'll want to spend time with the new flock you get after conversion? Uh, yeah, so again, it's that mind shift. What do you see as your primary gift? What's your primary goal? What do I need to achieve it? What have I already got to help me in, in, in getting there? And again, I think for me, just encouraging people that that time you spend with your church members in a community isn't lost because I had to eat humble pie. The church was within weeks of shutting. I met with Mez. Mez had offered me a job up in Scotland. I thought, no, I'm called in Middlesbrough. Mez said, can you run the church while you work part-time or full-time and can you just go back to being a house church? And I thought, you know what? A house church in Middlesbrough where we are is better than no church in Middlesbrough where we are. So I ate humble pie. I was ready to go back and become a postman or whatever and, and just meet uh, two or three times a week doing Bible studies and worship and just be part of this community. And as soon as I realized, I, I, I had to go to the church and say, all these big dreams and visions I've had don't seem to be working. Who would still be interested in sticking around for this uh, small version of what we'd hoped for? And everyone who, who mattered stuck around. And then we would be able to build, that's where we were able to build from that. We knew who was committed. We knew who was on board with the vision. Uh, I had a bit of a reality check. I think the church saw that I was humble and I was committed that the fact that I, I was still going to stick around. Uh, so we slowly started to, to work together using what we had, which was each other, the church members, but also the links we had in the community. And them links were massive. So we spent a couple of years training staff. I was working alongside you quite intensely rather than being out in the community, which I was originally, which after a year or two meant that every month I spent with you, gave me a couple of hours back a week because you could then go and do things that I'd previously been doing. So the more time I spent with you was taxing to start with, mm. released me as time went by until you took on my role full time to release me from Medhurst. And, and it's that nothing's been lost. We were at football last night with a group of guys. So even though we were focusing on the church, we were still playing football. We were still supporting people in the community, going to boxing or the local gym. So we never lost any links. In fact, I think we naturally built links in the community without even trying. Once we focused on just what was the main thing as a church, which was uh, meeting with each other daily to pray, read the Bible and, and, and to break bread with one another. I think that's when we just grew naturally. The, the members built their own relationships with their neighbours. And we've started to see, uh, after COVID, our church growth for the first time. We were, de we were de in decline until we took this approach. Uh, and now we're starting to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I think, again, that's, that's what people don't see, isn't it? Is people never see the, yeah, they never see the decline or the, yeah, or the, the time that, you spend all the hard work and so it's easy to kind of to, to think oh well I'll, I'll just yeah if, if Ian can do it then I'll, I can do it um I think uh well I'll just move into this area and start a church and 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 the thing is I think people do have people do have like a, a vision plan but it's it's only what's in their head or it's what they've assumed or what they've always seen in the church that they've been part of and that's that's the problem isn't it then when 
when other people are involved because they don't have the same mission plan in their heads. Um, Let's have a look at yours there because I, I remember you came here uh, and after a couple of years, I remember you sat chatting with me thinking uh, I've made the wrong choice. Everyone, everyone I've spent invested in has either died, uh, gone back on the drugs or walked away. Uh, and you were discouraged. So what I, I tried to encourage you by saying the importance of maybe it's working in a charity shop or using the local cafe and the, a, a lot of things you, you didn't really perceive as ministry or didn't see the value in. And yeah, so what, what, what surprised you? What's been easier than you expected? What's been harder than you expected? And what challenges came that you never expected at all? So uh, yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's just hard, isn't it, to get those initial links in the community. And I think, I think what we kind of expect is that there's there's a set pattern to how these things should work, right? So, you know, 10 easy steps to get somebody to become a Christian. Um, and, and that's kind of how we think, isn't it? So, you know, we maybe have ready set lines or conversations that, that we can have with people. And then, you know, yeah, you, you meet somebody at the school gate or whatever and then you know after three conversations then you're ready to to invite them to a bible study and then you do five weeks of a bible study and on the fifth one you say oh are you ready to commit your life to the lord jesus christ and then they say yes and then and then you baptize them the next week and then that's that um and, and the reality is that that's not at all how, how we've seen things happen um you know when pe people's interest in in the gospel is is minimal um it's you know it's rare that we see any kind of interest in in the gospel and um yeah and and where you do get to know people um yeah people can can be quite quite flaky so you often make plans with people and then they don't show up um which, as, as you were saying to, to me earlier, it's, you know, it's not that they don't mean to be there. You know, they have every intention of, of meeting you. But, a million, you know, we live in an area where people have very chaotic lifestyles and, you know, a million things could have come up. Um, and, and so they don't. And so that's, that's really disappointing is, you know, if you've been living and, and working in an area for a couple of years and you've not seen any, any any kind of fruit or even interest in the gospel and then you have somebody who says oh yeah I'll, you know i'll go to the pub with you and then they don't show up that that can be really demoralizing um you know especially if you're yeah and you know that's demoralizing for me and i was part of a, a an established church it's going to be 10 times more demoralizing if you're trying to plant a church and you're the only person there on the ground and and, and everything else so um yeah it's it, i think that can be demoralizing but i think it's it's those long-term relationships that are worth building aren't they so i mean you, you mentioned the guys that we play football with we've been playing football with some of them for about 
five years now, pretty close to that. Um, and so we don't do anything special. Do you know what I mean? We don't do like a gospel presentation every Monday night. Um, but you start to, to get to know people and, you know, once in a while we'll go to the pub with people after football and um, you can chat to them and, uh, you know, you, you just start to, to get involved in people's lives, don't you? And, um, you know, they get to know you as well. And um, people do ask questions. People do ask questions about the church every now and then. Um, and, we, you know, we have seen people who have been interested in um, studying, studying God's word or coming along to church through the groups that we do. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's much more relational. Um, yeah, I don't like to use the word organic, but I think that, you know, that's what it is. Um, but, it, you know, intentionally organic, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've put things on in order to get to meet people um, because otherwise we're, we're never going to meet them. Um, that's why we run, you know, all of the parent and toddler groups that we run is because otherwise we're never going to meet these people and you know yeah I, I went to a I went to a conference a month or so ago and you know discussions about how we can do evangelism and everybody in my group's talking about and and I think what's positive is lots of people are talking about doing relational evangelism but it's only with people that they already have a relationship with so you know people talking about reaching out to family members or to, you know, doing something for the next door neighbors or the people that they're friends with at the golf club or whatever. Um, but, but what I was saying was, well, what about people who don't have, you know, Christian family or Christian neighbors or, um, you know, they don't go to the golf club or the sailing club or whatever you go to, you know, how are they going to meet Christians and, you know so we've got to be intentional haven't we how can we reach all kinds of people in the areas that we're living in um yeah it's just it just takes time um i think you've got to have that that long-term view of uh yeah i you know you, you can't just give up because somebody didn't meet up with you uh, Starbucks when you ask them to go there um you know what I mean you've just gotta yeah just gotta keep doing the things that you're doing and um you know those opportunities will come up won't they um we, we've had that where you know somebody goes through a tough time and you can just say say to them do you know what? I'm I'm praying for you um or I mean you've you've done funerals for people in the community and um again that's a, a great witness to people but it just gives you an opportunity to to share the gospel where previously you wouldn't have had it and and if we weren't here living and working in the community then we wouldn't have got those opportunities but you've just got to be ready for them when they come um yeah but you've got to be realistic and accept that actually do you know what for the most part it's it's difficult work and you know we probably won't see a great deal of interest in the gospel um, especially not while we're still new and, and finding our feet yeah 
And again, I think we, I, I, I touched on this at the weekend in 20 Schemes when we were talking about evangelism, that Jesus was known for his compassion. He'd been healing people. In Mark 2, uh, well, in Mark 1, we saw that he healed the leper. In Mark 2, we see that he's uh, in a house and he's swamped by people desperate to see him because they've heard about his compassion and we see how he re reacts to people who are looking for him. And similarly, in our community, the more we're in our community, we can uh, show compassion to our neighbours and uh, to people that we meet and that attracts people to us. So there will be people who look for us, like you say, in times of need when they want funerals to be done or people are ill and they want prayer or they go through relationship problems. So we need to be able to respond to those who are looking uh, for us uh, like Jesus did. And then we saw G Jesus go out to the lake in uh, Galilee and he, and, and he specifically looked for those who weren't looking for him and he did specific gospel outreach uh, that was totally uh, gospel in its emphasis. And then we see him chilling out with his mates, with, with sinners, tax collectors and prostitutes in Levi's house. And uh, there he was just being relational. And often what we'll do is we'll pick one of those three, we'll be very church-based or we'll go out and we'll want to be knocking on doors or street preaching and we'll neglect the church stuff uh, or, or then we'll pick the relational stuff. And we're not saying that you shouldn't do anything specifically outreach where you're preaching the gospel or you shouldn't uh, be inviting people to church. What we're saying is we need to copy the model of Jesus where he did all three. He, he went out looking for those who weren't looking for him. He welcomed those who were looking for him. But he also just hung out in his community, living life with people, eating, socialising and, and chilling out. And I think if we can get that balance of all three, where our main role is to, to be part of the community of unbelievers, we live amongst the unbelievers, we proclaim to the unbelievers, but we also meet as believers. That church thing, uh, once we've got a Sunday service going, is again, our priority is to be with one another, our brothers and sisters, isn't it? But if we can be visibly loving one another as a Christian community, sharing with one another, praying and worshiping, that attracts people in itself. And I think, again, having that, just having that in your plan where we don't choose one thing or, or another, we just try and do everything that's required from us as Christians. Uh, yeah. So again, I hope we, I hope this hasn't come across as uh, we've got all the answers and everyone else is struggling because we are just <laughs> learning from our mistakes like we all are. And we're just hoping that other people can avoid the mistakes that we have made and learn from the mistakes that we've made too. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know, Nathan, have you got anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, no, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's, um, that's most of it. Just yeah, just that it's it's hard, isn't it, for for everybody? And you know, um, I think it highlights the need that we have to to work together. And um, you know, if yeah, if you haven't planted a church yet, but you're thinking about it, then you know, don't just rush into it. Um, you know, maybe think about working alongside somebody else instead. Um, and like you were saying, do you know what I mean? You've got to think about what you actually want because lots of people think, oh, I just want to plant a church where actually, you know, if their heart's for evangelism, then maybe they'd be better off just being part of a church plant and they can do, they can focus on the, the evangelism side of it. Um, I think that's part of the thing, isn't it? Is actually we need to think about what has God actually called me to do? Where is he, what's he gifted me to do? 
um, and then we can work together better to to make that, that happen. Yeah, so we're, we're praising God for this newfound zeal for for you men and women who are wanting to come and reach the the hard places of the United Kingdom. That is something that we are excited about. Uh, we're also excited about helping those who are already on the ground who are, who are struggling. Uh, but most of all, what we're looking for is the next generation of people who are looking to go on the estates to avoid having the hassle that those who've gone before you have had and they can learn from the mistakes we've made, but also uh, reap from the hardest that, that, that we've got from uh, sharing in the funding, sharing in the resources and the experience that we've got. And that's why Meadows Ministries, I think, is going to be uh, groundbreaking for England and Wales that we will provide a place where people can come and train and be sent out with support rather than just being sent off with a year or two's funding and left to their own devices. What we want to do is uh, give a holistic approach to church planting where people have the mentoring, the training, the ongoing pastoral support, but also the finances and the people uh, to help them make their vision into a reality. But Nathan, it's been great. It's been good to get back doing this podcast and uh, look forward to doing the next one with you. Cheers, mate. Cool. Thanks. Cheers.